Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas, and all of you listening everywhere and all the places. Welcome to those of you listening on iTunes or SoundCloud. It's great to have you here. And of course, if you are on iTunes but you aren't yet subscribed, you should fix that. Just search The Frittle Show and you're there. Or if you're an Android user and you use SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash The Frittle Show. And bam, it's happening. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio. We're coming to you live from Studio B at Liberty Baptist Church. Well, unless you're listening, as I mentioned, on iTunes or SoundCloud, then it's not live because you're listening to a recorded edition of the show. But for those of you that are listening, you know, live... We're coming to you from Studio B at Liberty Baptist Church. We're located on Rainbow and Lake Mead Boulevard here in Las Vegas. And we have church tonight at 7 o'clock. If you would like to join us, we'd love to have you here. If you have questions, suggestions, comments, thoughts, concerns, anything at all you'd like to share with us, you can email radio at experienceliberty.com or call us at 702-647-4522. Or you can always tweet me at thefriddle on Twitter. Today we are continuing our giveaway. All week long we are giving away uh, certificates, gift certificates to Family Christian stores of familychristian.com. Summer is in full swing. This is what I have to say to you to give this away. Summer is in full swing and Family Christian stores has you covered for those road trips, family vacations, and beach days with a buy one, get one, 50% off sale on all books, movies, music, and more for the whole family. So stay tuned at the bottom of the hour. After our guest today, who is Caleb Bonham from DCO, a friend of mine, we're going to be giving away $20 worth of gift certificates to Family Christian Stores again this morning. So, and this evening, probably. Uh, stay tuned for that. I haven't decided what our trivia will be today. If you have a trivia idea, let me know. I'll be thinking about that in the back of my mind. But we're going to give away $20 today, probably $20 tomorrow, and maybe $25 or more dollars on Friday for our Fun Friday show. Uh, the DNC is continuing its convention in Philadelphia, and every time I think about them, I really just want a cheesesteak. Because I'm telling you, you do not know what a cheesesteak is until you have a cheesesteak in Philadelphia. And I'm not talking about Pat's or Gino's. I'm talking like you have got to go into the city. You've got to walk away from Independence Hall into the city. Preferably not alone. Just saying. I've been there. Not not a good place to go alone. But take a friend and go downtown, if you follow me, and get yourself a cheese steak. Mmm, so good. But anyway, uh, the First Lady, Michelle Obama, gave a, what I think was really a pretty good speech to open the convention on Monday night. Obviously, I didn't agree with any everything in it, but uh, she did say one thing that I think really resonated, a, a strong talking point and... Something that that I that I agree with completely. She said, "Don't let anyone tell you America isn't great. America is great." 
And I think she's right. And I don't think that you can travel uh, the world. I don't think you can go on mission trips. I don't think you can know what's happening around the world and not recognize the greatness of America. Do we have our problems? We sure do. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But my goodness, has God blessed us and blessed this nation. So don't let anyone tell you America isn't great. I thought that was a great line. And then former President Clinton addressed the DNC uh, last night. He, this is from Fox News, he made it personal, methodical case to elect his wife as a change maker and champion of the underclass. Kind of a borrowing of of, uh, President Obama's theme, hope and change. He said she did more positive change making before 30 than most do in a lifetime. She is still the best darn change maker I have ever known. But we won't get to that if she's not elected. Hillary will make us stronger together and I hope you elect her. Hillary wasn't at the convention hall while <laughs> last night while her husband was speaking, but she did make a brief video appearance video appearance at the end of the evening saying she was so happy. It's been a great day and night, and we just put the biggest crack in that glass ceiling yet. But, you know, there was no reference to her husband's just-completed speech. And while I think it's fantastic, you know, that we have a woman running for, for president for the highest office of the land, what I don't like is that if we don't elect her... People are going to say it's because Americans are sexist. They're not going to say because she was unqualified and should have been in prison, and that's what we should be saying. But, um, um, yeah, he, he said, he talked about their history, he talked about her being a change maker, and it was, it was, I mean, Look, President Clinton is is a charmer, and he gave an excellent speech, and he made his wife appear um, much like Donald Trump's family did at the RNC. He he made it he made the case almost better uh, for her than she makes herself because he's a gentler, uh, better speaker, and more likable. That's just a fact. He's a more likable guy, and she's just not likable. And and to, in all fairness, you got to say the same on Trump's side. Trump's family is very likable. Trump himself, not quite so much, but it's. I think it's great that they get their families out there and get their families involved, as long as we leave their families alone, because they're not the ones actually running for office. And I know people would argue about that, but I'm not here to argue about that. I'm just saying. Although I'm really kind of concerned about what our nation collectively will decide to call uh, the first man if we elect the first female president. Like, can we can we vote on that? Somehow, because I mean, what what do you call the the male version of the first lady? I don't. I really don't think first man works. For me, it doesn't work. What would you say we should call that if that were to happen? And someday it will. Someday we're going to have a woman president, whether it's Hillary or not. It is going to happen. So we need to figure this out. This is an important part of our history. What are we going to call? First dude? I don't know. Let me know, though. Some of your thoughts on Twitter. Actually, if you send me right now on Twitter what you think that we should call uh, when whoever is elected the first female president, what we should call her husband, how we should refer to him, if you let me know on Twitter right now, at the Friddle, I will give you a $5 gift certificate to familychristian.com. All right? So if you let me know on Twitter before our first break in about mm, seven, eight minutes or so, you'll get five bucks. 
to family Christian. Also, this is um, kind of interesting. I thought, you know, there's always, they talk about the uh, post-convention bump. And as of last week, the latest polling last week, which was, I just go through Friday, everybody had Clinton on top except for uh, Rasmussen had Trump up by one on Thursday. But uh, other than that, pretty much all last week, Every single poll had Hillary Clinton on top. As of today, however, um, all but three polls yesterday had Trump on top. Also, interestingly, here in Nevada, uh, KTNB and Rasmussen have heck ahead of Masto by nine points. That's pretty huge. They also have Portman up in Ohio in that Senate rate race by five now, both those numbers actually also bode well for, for Mr. Trump. But then today, you've got uh, three polls today from uh, the LA Times, KSDK, and Fort Hayes University. They all have Trump up 1 by 7, 1 by 10, and 1 by 17. Now, obviously, I think this 17 is probably an outlier poll because we only have uh, three polls to look at today. But up by 7, 10, and 17. That's huge. I mean, you saw a, sh- a little bump yesterday. That one's the one that got him over the top, but he was leading you know, by 1, by 2, uh, within the margin of error, basically. Today's are much, uh, much greater comparison, much greater bump, if you will. But, again, that will probably uh, switch back and get much closer again post the DNC convention, or perhaps it won't. Maybe Democrats are just that uh, fed up with the WikiLeaks and everything else that's happening that, that it's not going to switch back over. I don't know. Uh, but Hillary's vice presidential uh, running mate has promised a bill to legalize illegal immigrants in the first 100 days of a Clinton administration. Paul Ryan and the other leaders of his party are going to understand that if they want a future for their party, they are going to have to work together to find a solution to this, Mr. Cain told Noticias Telemundo, according to a transcript provided by the network. As uh, When Democrats kicked off their convention, well, that's not what I want. Um, well, this doesn't actually give his quote about the 100 days. Um... Oh, there we go. A new Clinton administration would pursue a bill to legalize illegal immigrants in the first 100 days of her tenure. Vice presidential candidate Tim Kaine told Spanish language network Telemundo in an interview on Monday. That's from the Washington Times. 100 days. First 100 days. That's your priority is to legalize illegal immigrants. So, you know, something to think about. But... You know, with that said, this political season, it's easy to talk about who we like and who we don't like and why we don't like them. But my question for you today is, would you be willing to be a candidate? Again, it's easy for us to sit back and talk about people in office or what we think of them or what they wear. Which, by the way, that one to me, that is just so incredibly petty. I mean, you know if you are going to be photographed and in the news every day of the year... Maybe one or two of your outfits in an eight-year span might not show your finest moment. I mean, and, and regardless of if you like them or don't like them or what they say, when you see pictures that people post, I mean, imagine if that was you or your dad or your mom 
Would you want every single thing you do photographed for the rest of the world to see and Photoshop and meme for perpetuity? I I really, I can't imagine a life like that. Um, But anyway, how would you feel if your dad or your husband or your mom or your wife or whomever else, whatever relative you want, but it has to be a close one, was running for vice president and in order for that person to do so, you... You're not running, but you and your siblings all have to turn over your passwords to all of your social media accounts. All of them. Would you do it? The Kane family did, and that's just one of the many things that they had to do from Politico. Inside the VP hunt, how Hillary Clinton picked Tim Kane. The family had to turn over every password for every social media account for every member of his family. They had to list every piece of property they'd ever owned and copies of every resume that they'd put out for the last 10 years. I don't even think I could find every resume I've put out for the last 10 years. They had to list every business partner, every gift they'd ever received. Hachiwawa. For the finalists in the hunt to be Hillary Clinton's running mate, it was five weeks of questions and follow-up, and follow-up to the follow-up questions, starting from when they were summoned one-on-one to meet with campaign chairman John Podesta and lawyer Jim Hamilton, and told to bring along just one trusted person who'd serve as the point of contact. Wow. Last Friday was interview day at Clinton's D.C. home, the final exam that some of the VP candidates had spent weeks with their staffs preparing their pitches for. Clinton, with Podesta seated nearby as the only other one in the room, would start the session by talking them up. Then Hillary would ask, why do you want the job? It was a simple end to a complicated process that concluded with Clinton, of course, tapping Virginia Senator Tim Kaine as her choice for the Democratic vice presidential nominee. But that'd be rough. Every password for every account, every piece of property, every resume. And the reason they do this is because anything that they can find out, the media can find out. And they will find out. And they will blow it up and smear it all over headlines and make them look as bad as they possibly can. Because that's what the media does. But it's not fun. I don't, I don't think it's fun. I don't. I don't know if I could ever do that. I don't know if I could put my family through that. You know? Could you? I mean, really think about it. Could you put your family through that? And in what I think is the most disturbing headline of the day, this is from Fox News Politics, Judge grants John Hinckley Jr. his freedom decades after Reagan assassination attempt. The man who tried to kill President Ronald Reagan is set to go free after a judge decided Wednesday to allow would-be assassin John Hinckley Jr. to live with his mother in Virginia full-time. Hinckley is set to begin his convalescent leave on August 5th, according to U.S. District Judge Paul Friedman's order. Friedman wrote that all of the experts and treatment providers who testified during the hearing agreed that Hinckley's issues, major depression and psychotic disorder, were in full and sustained remission and have been for more than 20 years. Mr. Hinckley is clinically ready for full-time convalescent leave, Friedman wrote. Hinckley, 61, attempted to kill Reagan outside of the Washington Hilton Hotel on March 30, 1981. He fired six shots, hitting four people, including Reagan, who was wounded when a bullet bounced off his presidential limo. Press Secretary James Brady was shot in the right side of his head, sustaining serious injuries. When he died in August 2014, Brady's death was ruled a homicide. 
Hinckley was arrested at the scene and was later found not guilty by reason of mental insanity. Hinckley had allegedly tried to kill Reagan in order to gain the affection of Hollywood starlet Jodie Foster. Hinckley's release from Washington St. Elizabeth's Hospital has been more than a decade in the making. In late 2003, the judge allowed Hinckley to begin leaving the hospital for day visits with his parents in the Washington area. In 2006, Hinckley began visiting his parents' home in Williamsburg, Virginia for three-night stretches. That time has increased over the years so that for more than the last year, he has been allowed to spend 17 days a month at the home, which is in a gated community and overlooks a golf course. While outside the hospital, Hinckley has had to comply with a series of restrictions, and a number of those will continue now that he will be living full-time in the community. He will have to attend individual and group therapy sessions and is barred from talking to the media. He can drive, but there are restrictions on how far he can travel. The Secret Service also periodically follows him. Despite the restrictions, life in Williamsburg will likely be busy for Hinckley. According to court records and testimony at a recent court hearing on the issues of his release, he has spent time volunteering at a church as well as a local mental hospital. He has attended meetings for people living with mental illness, talks at local art museums, and concerts. His hobbies include painting and playing the guitar, and he has recently developed an interest in photography. He's also indicated he'd like to get a full-time job and at one point went to Starbucks and Subway to talk about applying. I don't like flipping around on the TV. I want to do things, a court document quoted him as saying. He also said he wants to fit in and be a good citizen. Um, all right, so this is literally breaking news, so I haven't really had time to formulate a whole lot of thoughts on the matter. But my initial thought is, if you shoot an attempt to kill the President of the United States, you go to jail for the rest of your life. And that may sound cruel, or that may sound kind, depending on your perspective. If you're a death penalty person, that probably sounds kind. And if you are um, a, a compassionate, love the people I'm not saying the other people aren't compassionate. You know what I'm saying. I'm just going to stop right there. But my thought is you go to prison and you don't come out of prison if you attempt to kill the president. I mean, um, you, you just... You, it doesn't matter to me if if a court finds that you are not mentally stable. We already know you're not mentally stable. You attempted to shoot the president, to kill the president to murder the President of the United States. To me, this sends the wrong message. To me, this sends the message of, you can attempt to kill the President if you want, and as long as you're not mentally stable, which I believe that you could prove that anyone attempting to kill a President is not mentally stable, then you know we'll put you in prison for, mm, what year was this, 1981? 20, 30 years? 35 years? And then, you know, you can get out and you can live with your parents on a golf course. And it sounds like Mr. Hinckley is, is doing well. But to me, that's not the issue. To me, the issue is you attempted to murder the president. You, you go to jail and you stay there. You don't come out. Because it's a precedent that we're setting and hopefully not setting hopefully no future president is shot and our thanks to the secret service for the great work that they do but i i if i was the judge I, I don't think that this would be what i was doing but you know it's um it is what it is i suppose so 
guess he's now free to eat donuts if he wants. And you are too, really. If you're listening, you're most likely free to eat donuts. And today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round and can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. So if your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. Coming up next, we're going to have Caleb Bonham from DCO. But first, here's Twyla Paris with How Beautiful. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. We have Caleb Bonham on the line with us. Caleb is the co-founder of DCO, but uh, I should have asked you before we were actually on the air. I don't even know what DCO stands for. I'm assuming something with Denver and Colorado, but I don't know. You know, the beautiful thing is uh, we leave that to the interpretation of whoever wants to read it differently. We had a name in mind. It, it meant something, and, uh, and we thought it was a fantastic meaning. It summarized our company, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we, we launched in Denver, Colorado. And uh, the Denver Post did a big article on us when we launched. And they were like, it stands for Denver Communications or Denver, Colorado. And like my business partner and I looked at each other and said, not at all, but that's what we So went with it. So it, it, it could be a lot of different things. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So do we win a prize if we figure it out? Absolutely. Anybody that figures it out wins. Okay. But can you, can you give us a clue on the slash? Like there's part red, part blue, and there's this random slash through the sea. Is that significant? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It we, is. Uh, okay. Part of I come and, uh, we wanted to reflect that. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to start with you had a Facebook post last week. Obviously, we're in the middle of the conventions, uh, and I know you're doing the whole like pointless vlog things too as well. But I'm still I'm going to try and make you talk about politics here for a minute. But you had a post about common sense politicking, and I think that's just so timely because everyone is kind of freaking out right now. No matter which side you're on or who you like or don't like, it seems like everyone's just exploding with with anger or fear or whatever other emotion. And maybe we just need yeah. a little bit of common sense right now. Is that is that really it? We do. We do. I think, it, 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 you know, we talk about in politics um, very emotional issues. These are very aggressive campaigns. And activists on all sides are very heavily invested both monetarily time-wise, in the candidates that they support. But one of the things that conservatives always talk about is that we want to have common-sense legislation, that common sense will fix a lot of the uncommon governance that's going on D.C. trying to rule people's lives and blah, blah, blah. But too often, conservatives don't actually apply that to conservative politicking. And the reason I wrote that was conservatives of all colors, you know, whether you're more of a rhino, whether you're more of a libertarian or a conservative in the middle, limited government advocates want common sense legislation. And 
when Ted Cruz took his acceptance or took his uh, uh, speech um, on the, uh, the RNC and didn't give a full endorsement to Donald Trump, conservatives jumped on that all over the place. They said that it was an embarrassment that Cruz threw away his entire political career. They said that Cruz was breaking his promise. And that is simply not a comment. That is giving zero thought to what happened. Mm. That is simply living and arguing in accordance to talking points that people have given no thought to. And it, it, according to um, emotion. Because the truth is, we as conservatives should look at that situation and say, Ted Cruz is no different than us. He's no different. He's not a king. He's not a god. He's no different. He's a human. And you know what happens to humans? Sometimes they go out the gate. And they say, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, and this is what I'm going to do. And then as the gate, as you go along the race, the situation changes. Mm-hmm. And it is perfectly rational for somebody to come to the table and say, man, maybe I had it wrong from the beginning. <laughs> maybe I was incorrect. And I'm going to change my original position and no longer endorse Trump. He said he was going to endorse Trump. Then Trump attacks his wife, attacks his father, and then attacks him, calling him a liar to the nation. And Ted finally says, you know what? I'm not going to endorse the nominee because this guy is trash. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and 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 there had been nothing wrong if he had come out and said he was going to. Like I don't I don't see how why don't we've reached this point where we get to determine it, what someone else is doing whether it's right or wrong for them. Um, now, obviously, there are there are moral standards of of right and wrong, and there are some things that are black and white. Like you can't you know shoot someone and then think that's okay. But when it comes to political decisions and decisions of conscience, I I can't tell you who you should vote for. And yeah. and to some people, that's just mind blowing. But the fact of the matter is, quite frankly, if you wanted to vote for 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 Dumbo, I you know what that's you can do that. That, if that is what you and your conscience believe is the best thing to do for our country, then that is your choice and that is your decision. And if that's what makes you believe uh, that you're doing the right thing, then then so be it. Absolutely. And and, and that's the thing is that we, but we you know, the, the idea of my post goes a little, it goes a variety of different ways. You know, we as conservatives, time and time again, will attack politicians on the left for switching their vote. Mm-hmm. Big deal. So John Kerry voted for the war in Iraq before he voted against it. Well, you can come out and acknowledge, look, this is where this person stood, and maybe they did it for political reasons. But what we can't keep doing is holding people to one standard for their entire life. Conservatives need to realize that sometimes people's positions change, and that's a good thing. Because as life progresses, we get more intelligent. We get better informed. We have different life experiences. If I held the same political positions that I held at 18 when I could vote, I'd be a complete moron. (laughs) My views have completely changed and evolved. And there's nothing wrong with that. But conservatives, and I do see this a lot with conservatives, because I listen to talk radio. I watch, uh, you know, conservative entertainment. I read the conservative books. 
And it's like we have a formula for how we talk about politics. And that formula is completely, it is for the mind numb. It is for those who don't think into it. And, and that's the biggest thing that I think we can change to better reach young people, to better uh, position ourselves with the pure principles of limited government. I agree so much with what you just said. And I think, you know, we hear so much about reaching the youth vote and reaching millennials and how do we get millennials on our side? And and I think there's a lot of elements to that and a lot of things that, that those on the left do better with reaching young people. And, of course, then you have all the, the influences of, of college and just young people going through that part of life where they want to be, uh, that compassionate heartthrob, all that good stuff. But I think a big thing that we, that that would call ourselves conservatives, do, that we have a fault at is, in a lot of ways, we're very hypocritical. And I think you touched on it there. And I think also another thing that we do, you were talking about talk radio and different things, and I include myself in this because technically I have a talk show. But we we can be, if we're not careful, many on the right and the left, but I think on the right, since we're on the right, we'll talk about the right. Uh, we can be very hypocritical in being very willing to point out mistakes and failures and inconsistencies on the other side. But when our side does the exact same thing, but maybe in a little bit of a different way or there's a different name next to the person that did it, all of a sudden it's okay or we just don't acknowledge it. And to me, I don't see how we say that we're concerned about winning young people when the biggest thing I think for young people, the reason they reject, you know, say, say their faith or their parents or whatever else is because of hypocrisy. And I think yeah. we see people, young people in particular, fleeing conservatism because they see the hypocrisy. And, and the, the, the terrifying thing to me is what it does to, you know, those, you know, Christians. I, I see it a lot in the church as well. And especially with young people, and you've seen how it's changed scriptural messages. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing in politics, for example, inside in the churches, the church hammered time and time again the importance and the value of marriage. Sure. And then time and time again, I saw my pastors get divorced and have affairs. So my parents go through uh, very similar situations where it led to divorce. I saw situations, you know, and, and a lot of us in the millennial generation saw this go on. Yeah. We saw these social wars going down, and time and time again, the people that were championing the social values were unable to actually live those in their own lives. And the same thing goes in this presidential election. If you want to take that same example and place it onto the presidential um, politics that goes on, a lot of what the conservative activists argue is that, well, for example, Bill Clinton is a philanderer who is uh, unfaithful, and Hillary Clinton, you know, uh, really uh, attacked those women when the truth is that what Bill Clinton was doing was wrong and it should have been called out. And then we nominated a guy like Donald, Donald Trump, who, like, cheated on his wife multiple times and did all that, you know, it's the same thing. And then Donald has the audacity to attack Bill for it. I mean, the, 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 the hypocrisy there is absolutely mind-numbing. Right. It's mind-numbing. That, 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 that is still a political point or, or, or attack to score political points with. And that is a very small issue, a marital issue that really is personal issues. Um, but that's what the political discourse has become. It's all salacious. There's no thought that's put into it. And, uh, and I think, honestly, I believe it's destroying this country. Yeah. Um, 
that we're losing substance in every form. We're going straight for the page five tabloid uh, content and, uh, you know, and, and running with it there. Right. Right. And I think that that, that has worked in the past. But I, but as you said, we can't say, look at him and look what he did, and so terrible. But we have the exact same problem, just with a different name. Like, it doesn't work that way. We have to get back to actual issues. You're exactly right. And, uh, you know, I only have a few minutes left with you here, but I want to ask you this, and I know you've told me this story before, but I don't think you've told it uh, since I've been here at Experience Liberty Radio. So let's let's talk about this here. You know, we met, I don't, I don't remember now, maybe five, six years ago, something like that. At that point, you know, you were doing YouTube videos, and, uh, you know, we just met, I don't, do we meet at Elways? I think we met at Elways or something, just yeah. through Twitter. Now you, you found this political consulting company. You're named on the most politically influential 30 under 30 people. You're on Fox News all the time. How does this happen? How does the, the average kid from from Denver turn into the, the Fox News star. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really simple, uh, actually. All it is, is is seizing on opportunities that are presented. For any of your listeners that want to make an impact, want to um, leverage their voice, want to have bigger influence, you just have got to create your own opportunities. Long story short, what I started doing was I was tired of what I was seeing in politics, I thought that the right had a very uh, no no sense of humor at all, and I wanted to provide some of that. I wanted to do some things in, in funny, different ways. So I started making videos, and um, and the videos were, were were very very popular, and uh, and then started doing the television, started doing the radio, did all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it really is seizing on opportunities and at all times evolving yourself, you know. Uh, I think the theme of what we've talked about here has been uh, that there's a formula. That there's always a formula in how Republican politics operates or conservative politics or Democrat politics, for all I care. There's a formula for what people have thought has been successful time and time again. Well, whenever there's a formula, that means people will eventually get tired of it. If you eat the same delicious meal for 30 years, you're eventually going to get sick and tired of it. If you're, if you're somebody out there and you break that formula and you do things differently, then you will find success. And, that, and you're good at what you do, you'll find success in some way. And so ultimately, I always look to bring different um, perspectives into media, into opinions, into um, how things are created and the, and the strategies we give our clients. That's what we do at DCO. And it, uh, it's worked so far. That's awesome. Caleb, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Best of luck to you with DCO. I mean, it sounds like you're doing pretty good making your own hours and stuff. So <laughs> I don't know how I can wish you much more success than what you already have, but I hope uh, that you have it. Uh, where can people find you on Facebook or Twitter or anything that you'd like to put out there? Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all the same. It's at Caleb Bonham. All right, at Caleb Bonham. Everyone go follow Caleb, great guy. Thanks, Caleb, for being here. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. We'll see you. And everyone else, you're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM. We're going to hear acapella with Leave Me to Rest, and we'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away.
Okay, so as promised, we are giving away another $20 to Family Christian Stores and FamilyChristian.com. Right now is their buy one, get one free uh, summer sale, so you can take advantage of that. I have $20 worth of gift certificates in my hand right now. If this was TV, I would show them up and wave them at the screen for you to see, but it's not TV, so you can't see them that way. Our trivia this week is all summer stuff, so today's question is this. Mark Antony named the month of July in honor of who? Which historical figure is the month of July named for? If you know the answer to that question, let us know at KVXL Radio on Facebook or Twitter, and you can win today's $20 to Family Christian Store. So last story of the day, 7-Eleven just used a drone to deliver a chicken sandwich and Slurpees. The future is here, people. The future is here. This is from Fortune.com. A 7-Eleven customer's order for Slurpees, a chicken sandwich, donuts, hot coffee, and candy will forever go down in history. Have you ever thought about that phrase? Can I, I'm just going to pause in the story for one second. Have you ever thought about the phrase that something is going to forever go down in history? What does that actually mean? Like, is this event just going to continue to plummet so that eventually it's no one's going to care about it in history like is it going to the bottom of history or like i get that it's not literal but sometimes if you stop and think about the phrases that we use they just don't make any sense anyhow what makes it remarkable is that the convenience store chain used a drone to deliver the order to a family in our very own Reno, Nevada, 7-Eleven said last week. The company partnered with drone startup Flirty for the delivery, because, you know, that's not disturbing at all, a drone company named Flirty, which the company said was the first time a drone has legally delivered a package to a U.S. resident who placed an order from a retailer. But the drone delivery wasn't a casual affair. This delivery required special flight planning, risk analysis, and detailed flight procedures ensuring residential safety and privacy were equally integrated. Chris Wallach, the director of operations for the Nevada Institute for Autonomous Systems, said in a statement, the Nevada Institute for Autonomous Systems is a Nevada government-backed, nonprofit autonomous vehicle advocacy group. Oh, that's just funny. That helped oversee the delivery. A government-backed, nonprofit autonomous vehicle advocacy group. Maybe I should become an autonomous vehicle advocate. Because that would just be school- cool to say. Like, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I'm an autonomous vehicle advocate. Oh. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, I advocate for the autonomous vehicles of the world. <laughs> Anyhow, congrats to 7-Eleven and Nevada Institute for um, Autonomous Systems for their success in the 7-Eleven drone delivery. I mean, Slurpees, Slurpees are where it's at, man. All right, I still have 20 bucks. Let us know at KVXL Radio on Facebook or Twitter if the answer to this question, Mark Antony... Named the month of July in honor of which historical figure? I've got 20 bucks to Family Christian Stores or FamilyChristian.com, which is all yours. If you know the answer to the question, Mark Anthony named the month of July in honor of what historical figure? Let us know on Facebook or Twitter at KVXL Radio, and this 20 bucks is yours. Have a great day, everyone. It's all the time we have left. So, yeah, I'm going to say goodbye. This is Michael W. Smith with You Won't Let Go. Be sure to join us again 
tomorrow, tomorrow. And here's Michael W. Smith so that I stop singing.